Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. 104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5TheZone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, starting a brand new week of the show. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter, of course, at jmartzone. And you can reach me there anytime you would like. Love to say this off the top every night. I am blessed beyond all measure, reasonable and otherwise. Sometimes it's, it's more prevalent than others today, certainly one of those. Sometimes you go through quiet time and go through your devotionals and you just realize how much is going right in your life. I hope you recognize that in yours as well. If that's a conversation you'd like to have, if it's one you've never had before especially, find me or find somebody. If you don't want to find me, but you can certainly DM me anytime at jmartzone. My DMs are wide open, but find somebody and have that conversation. I urge you to do so. I told you so, right? I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to sit here and gloat, but I kind of told you this. I told you that I would not be able to pick the Houston Rockets to beat the Golden State Warriors to get out of the West and to get to the NBA Finals and certainly to win the NBA Finals until I actually saw them do it. It's not that I didn't believe that they had the capability to do it. It's simply that there was too much evidence to the contrary. And what did we see on Friday night? After national media types, some that I work with at Fox Sports Radio, went on and said that the Warriors would lose by 20 to 25 points. And these are NBA people that were there saying that the Rockets would win this thing going away. I just kind of rolled my eyes and I said, look, maybe that can happen. But you're not going to get me to predict that. And so what we saw on Friday night was yet another example of guys that have been there before and guys that have not. And that's going to be a refrain on this show all week long. I'll go ahead and get you prepared for it right now. But when you think of everything that went into it before you got to this game, as soon as Kevin Durant got hurt, Reggie Miller, where's the scoring going to come from? Well, it's going to come from the greatest scoring backcourt in the history of the National Basketball Association, the Splash Brothers. That's where it's going to come from, Reggie. But this story is about the Houston Rockets. I'm going to talk about the Golden State Warriors in the next segment because I want to compare them to the Avengers. I think you're really going to enjoy that, so stick around for it. But when it comes to the Houston Rockets, and I wrote this to the Big Six blog, and you're going to start to see a lot more content from me at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. So I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you enjoy my writing, I'm not going to say my writing's great, but I'm going to say if you enjoy my writing, Go ahead and bookmark that joint because we're going to be putting out a whole lot more sports content, a whole lot more of everything. I am ready to start writing again. I know I have not done as much of it as of late, but that's about to change. But 
I wrote about 2,000 words on Saturday after watching what we saw on game in Game 6 on Friday night when the Warriors closed out the Rockets on the road without the best player in the NBA, Kevin Durant. And I was not surprised at all. Steph Curry didn't score in the first half of that ball game. I still wasn't surprised that Golden State won the game because, folks, evidence matters. It matters in a courtroom. And it matters if you're actually trying to put together cogent predictions for what's going to happen in sports or in anything else. Now, no amount of planning, no amount of preparation is always going to be good. Things happen. Things we're, It's unpredictable. We have seen crazy upsets in sports. But if you're making a prediction, you're basing it on what you actually think will happen. And so... Looking at it logically and looking at it analytically, I laid out the case on Friday before the game and said, this is James Harden's M.O. I've seen it happen twice. It happened with the Oklahoma City Thunder when he was in the NBA Finals. When he scored, he only he only made 18 shots in the whole series. The whole series, the whole five-game series. He was the Manu Ginobili of that team. He was supposed to lead the second union. He was completely absent except taking an elbow in one of those games and going down and then in 2017 in game six against the san antonio spurs he pulled a complete no-show looked totally disinterested his body language on the sidelines was very problematic if you want to look at someone and find a reason to root for them or to believe in their killer instinct he was two for two for 11 in that game had six turnovers and fouled out. And they got beat 114-75 to by the Spurs. And you can tell me, oh, but that's the Spurs. Yeah, it was the Spurs, but it was the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi was hurt. Their best player was hurt. Similar to what we just saw with Kevin Durant being hurt. But I also mentioned to you that the Warriors, what makes them go is Stephen Curry, not Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant scores 40 or more points this season, the Warriors are 6-7. and seven. They're below 500. What happened the minute Kevin Durant went down in Golden State in Game 5? That team remembered what they used to be. And the Houston Rockets have never forgotten who they are. They are led by two guys who have never been able to get it done when it matters most. When it gets down to crunch time in the playoffs, you simply cannot trust, based on the evidence... You cannot trust James Harden, and you cannot trust Chris Paul. And here's the biggest issue. They played okay in game six. They scored over 60 points combined. They did show up, although I never felt like either one of those guys was putting their stamp on the game. There was not a sense of urgency. They just used their talent and were able to make shots. We saw yesterday in a couple of different positions in game sevens where guys were not making shots. Damian Lillard had a brutal day, but decided, okay, well, I'm going to help the team win in another way. So I'm going to assist, and I'm going to rebound, and I'm going to do all the other things. And I'm just going to let my boy C.J. McCollum go for 37 and win us this series. That's why you got to love Dame and C.J. McCollum. What he said about Lehigh, I may talk about that in the final segment, as a matter of fact. Incredible. And then, of course, the Sixers and the Raptors. We'll get to that, too. But this series was not lost on Friday night. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. It was lost in Game 5 in Golden State. Because when Kevin Durant went down, 
because of technology and because of the society that we live in, Oracle Arena was almost dead silent because everyone had checked their phones and seen all of the updates that we were seeing that it looked like this was a torn Achilles and that Durant was out for a year, not just for the postseason. And so what are we going to do without Durant? So everybody got quiet. Only people that didn't get quiet were the ones wearing the Golden State uniforms. James Harden took one shot in the final eight minutes, three in the fourth quarter. After the third quarter where the Warriors scored 15 points and Harden scored 13. Then James Harden disappeared. But the big one to pay attention to here is Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul decided on that night that that was the best time ever for him to play the single worst game of his entire professional playoff career. He could not hit a shot. He was turning the ball over. He was not playing defense. He was disengaged. It was a bad performance, and and those are going to happen. But losing Game 5 lost this series because as soon as we saw the tip on Friday night, we saw one team that looked like they were up 3-2 and one that looked like they were down 3-2 and desperate. And the one that looked like they were down 3-2 and desperate is the one that won the game and the series that was actually up 3-2. The Warriors, from the second the ball hit somebody's hands and we were underway, cared more. I'm not saying they wanted it more, but they played like they cared more. Attention to detail, scrapping, going for every loose ball. The one exception that was wearing a Houston Rockets jersey on Friday night was P.J. Tucker, whose game I absolutely love because he is a dog. He is a guy you would want on your team. He's lethal from the corner, but he makes all of those other little plays. He goes for every loose ball. He goes for every rebound. He's not the tallest guy, but he does a lot of things that make him appear like he's about half a foot taller than he actually is. But James Harden was taking a lot of threes, and Chris Paul was, they were making shots, but it was still lackadaisical. You heard it during halftime. When they analyzed it, you heard it even just watching the broadcast. Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, both weren't impressed with the effort. And when they laid up the stats towards the end of that game or right after it was over or actually I think it was about 30 seconds left in the game. And Jeff Van Gundy saw those point notals and and Mike Breen was like, see, they've all been pretty effective tonight. And Jeff Van Gundy says those numbers don't mean anything. They don't mean one thing right now. And he was right. The only number that mattered was four. And that was the fourth win for the Golden State Warriors as they advanced to the Western Conference Finals again. And Another one of those quotes that can come back to haunt you. 2015, James Harden, quote, they're not even really that good, man. Uh, They may not be, but they've knocked you out four of five times. They have been your kryptonite. You have had no answers for them. But generally, it's just because I don't see whatever it is that these killer athletes have in the moment. I don't see it in James Harden. I don't see it in Chris Paul. I do see it in the Warriors. And there is something to be said for the Warriors have played and won games like this before. They have won multiple championships. They have MVP Hall of Fame players on their roster that have been there and done that before. And so why in the world anyone would think that the Rockets, as currently constructed, that we've already seen, do this over and over again 
would somehow boat race the Golden State Warriors simply because they didn't have Kevin Durant is baffling to me. Yes, it's not the same team. Yes, they're older. Yes, the bench is not as good. But I heard people saying, man, that team had, but that team back in the day, that that pre-Durant team had Harrison Barnes on it. Right. Harrison Barnes had to go because Kevin Durant came in. Like, you, you weren't missing Harrison Barnes in that lineup. Andre Iguodala never gets as much credit as he deserves. Sean Livingston, I've discussed with you before what he's capable of doing off the bench. He can get you double figures. Kevon Looney was a revelation in the final two games of this series. He played spectacular basketball. And Capella, it wasn't that Capella didn't show up, but Looney kind of out-hustled him and outworked him more often than not on the floor. They got what they needed. But generally, even with Steph pulling a no-show in that first half, he woke up and played one of the great fourth quarters of his career. Clay Thompson was on fire from the beginning, which is what I told you would happen on Friday. And even though in the final segment I said, I really want to tell you right now I think the Warriors are going to win this game. I didn't come out and say the Warriors will win, but by the time the tip came, I was 100% certain the Warriors were going to win. And then as you watch that first half, and as badly as Steph played, and for them to still be where they were, it just did not feel like Houston was going to get out of there alive. And they didn't. And so now, they're done. And James Harden, in his postgame, said, I have the solution to beat the Golden State Warriors, but I'm going to keep that to myself. Uh, yeah, well, you might want to tell your past self that because you just got beat by them again. And the solution to beating them, James, is when 48 minutes of basketball are over. I'm just going to give you an example. Not a math major by any stretch of the imagination. My girlfriend's a math minor, so she's going to save my life. But at the end of 48 minutes where you've played four quarters, for example, if the Houston Rockets or your team have 110 points and the Golden State Warriors have 108, that's called a win. If you score more points than the other team, you win. Conversely, if you score 108 and the other team scores 110, that's called a loss. And James, if you let that happen four times, you don't get to play basketball again until the following season. The solution is show up. The solution is play team basketball. The ISO is not... It doesn't look like this ISO ball is going to get a championship done, does it? And it's not that Harden runs out of gas because he played so hard during the regular season. It's that something happens to James Harden in the postseason. And I don't know if... It has to be in his head. And the same thing with Chris Paul. They showed up in Game 6, but in Game 5, they let it slip away, and that was really the end of the series. This was so predictable of a plot line, you wouldn't even watch it anymore. You've seen the movie so many times, you can just tell people what it's going to be. Speaking of movies, the Golden State Warriors right now are the Avengers. I will discuss coming up next. Stick with me. Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. back here on a Monday. This is the Big Six. We're at 104.5 The Zone, finishing our live and local for the day. I'm Jason Martin. Blessed to be with you, as always. Blessed to have you as part of my audience. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. The Golden State Warriors are the Avengers. Tell me more, you say. Well, first off, I can tell you about an hour and 45 minutes worth of Marvel content 
went through the Pop 6 podcast that we released fairly late on Friday evening. It would have been uh, after my show was done. And it was Brad Willis, program director here, and Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio. Certainly, you know him well, and me. And, and we went through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're going to do another part of that later on this week where we're actually going to do a long Marvel draft based on the cinematic universe, not the characters. And that's going to be an absolute blast. And then, of course, we still have an Office podcast to finish up with David Reed, who was uh, celebrating his anniversary all last week. And congratulations to my good friend and my other good friend, Lindsay, his, uh, his wife of two years. So subscribe to the Pop 6 with Jason Martin is what I'm saying. Through your podcast catcher of choice. And do the Big 6 with Jason Martin as well. And you can hear me there. And if you want to hear the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com, uh, you can get the program through that. And it's part of the Fox Weekend Roundup is what it's called. We're working on getting a standalone because a lot of folks have been asking for it. But I do want to talk right now about the Warriors and the Avengers. And I know that sounds like I'm going to talk about two movies, but I'm not. I'm going to talk about the Golden State Warriors, not come out and play Warriors, and the Avengers. And there's going to be some mild spoilers here, but I'm going to try not to completely blow it. But look, if Endgame's been out for a couple of weeks now, it's on you at this point, if you haven't seen it. But mainly, you really just have to go back to Infinity War, the last film that came out last year that set the stage for this one, to really look at this. Because... Thanos snapped, snapped his fingers with the Infinity Gauntlet on, and 50% of the world's population disappeared, including a lot of superheroes. And if you want to look at it from that perspective, going into Endgame, you have sort of a depleted roster of heroes that are going against gigantic stakes, and they're going against history, and they're going against fate, and all of these things. And if you've seen the end of Endgame, if you've seen that film, you know how it ends. First off, I want to congratulate Thanos on his randomness of the 50% of people that he left alive and the 50% that disappeared last year. Smart call by him, leaving all of the key Avengers alive. I'm just saying I'm probably not going to leave Iron Man, Captain America, and the Hulk all alive. If I'm going to take people out, maybe I'll be a little bit more selective when it comes to the people that could potentially actually doom me after the fact. You left the wrong dudes alive. That's the point here. But let's talk about the Golden State Warriors as it relates to this. Kevin Durant goes down. Thanos moves him to dust and he's gone. At least for right now. I'm still wondering whether or not he'll be back in the postseason. I know Steve Kerr is optimistic. Maybe it's not as bad. Maybe this right cap thing's not that big a deal. I just think it's going to be more nagging and it's just going to like, you're going to have hope. If you're a Warriors fan, and then they're just going to keep backdating his return. But we'll see. Hopefully he'll be back. You want to see him play. But without him, what did Thanos leave behind? Well, it left the original Avengers. You know, the ones back in 2014. You can talk about the Warriors, and or the ones back in 2012, rather. You can talk about the Warriors, and you can talk about the pre-Durant Warriors in the same case. You left the two biggest stars on the team alive, the two biggest offensive contributors from the past, the ones that kind of were the Warriors, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. In effect, you left Iron Man. That's the dude that sort of runs it all. You left Steph Curry alive, and you know what he can do. And then you left Captain America alive. You left the guy that sacrifices, whereas Iron Man didn't sacrifice 
sort of the glitz and glamour of who he was all that often. Captain America did all the time. He was the one that would be humble to a fault. And that's pretty much Clay Thompson because as great an offensive player as Clay Thompson is, he could be even better, but he has been the one that's committed to lockdown defense. He's been a first-time, or I think he's been a first-team All-NBA defender multiple times. If not, he's been a second-team. He is a tremendous defender, and he commits to that side of the ball. That's a sacrificial move. And then there's the volatile personality, the one that's sort of larger than life, that you can't always control, that sometimes can cause havoc, that sometimes can cause a lot of negative things to happen on top of all the benefits that he provides. Yes, I'm talking about the Hulk. Yes, I'm talking about Draymond Green. You left him alive. And not only did you leave him alive, he came alive. As soon as Durant went down, it seemed like Draymond Green might have been the happy guy if there was one. I don't think he and Durant get along particularly well. That's been discussed. I think that may be the big reason KD might leave. But Draymond is no doubt volatile, but he also provides incredible benefits. When he's on, the way he rebounds, the way he plays defense, the way he blocks shots, the way he dives after loose balls, the way, I, the way he just goes tenaciously for every possession, that benefits you. Now, he's not always a great shooter. He causes some collateral damage. He'll take a building out while he's running down the street. But you kind of want that guy on your side. You like him if you're a Golden State Warriors fan. You hate him if you're anybody else. But you left him alive. So you left the three biggest superstars you could have possibly left alive, just like Thanos did. You left them alive here for the Golden State Warriors. And so right now, we're sort of in the early stages of Endgame. They've gotten back together. They're remembering what they're capable of. And now they are collecting what they can to try and recapture what was taken away from them in time. So they're going to go back in time. And basically, that's what we're seeing. This is the Warriors pre-Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is in an Oklahoma City jersey right now. Biff Tannen is hanging around Oklahoma City, watching Kevin Durant, placing money on the idea that KD is going to leave at the end of the season and go somewhere else. It's in the Gray Sports Almanac. So you left Iron Man and Captain America and the Hulk breathing. And then you wonder why Iron Man, Captain America, and the Incredible Hulk have basically just vanquished whatever the new villains were, whatever the nouveau thing was. And so who was Kevin Durant? Because I was trying to figure this out. I was like, so what superstar is Kevin Durant then? Or what Avenger is Kevin Durant in this argument? The answer is, because of his value, because he's the best player in the NBA according to a lot of metrics, because he was the best player in the playoffs, because of what he can do, how indefensible his shot is, how he can play defense when he wants to, his free throw percentage, his passing ability, his vision, everything that he brings to the team. I think he is everybody that disappeared. All of the other superstars, all of the other heroes that vanished in Infinity War, that aren't with us in Endgame, that's Kevin Durant. He's the absence of all of those people. He is equivalent to that. Now, I laid that particular part of this case out on FSR on the Jason Martin show yesterday morning, and somebody wrote me and said he's actually Captain Marvel. He's kind of a diva. He's a guy that doesn't necessarily work with the rest of the team all that well. He came around later, and he's all-powerful. 
okay, maybe I can buy that. I just think that the way that he is perceived, it's almost as if he was all of them. He was Doctor Strange, and he was Black Panther, and he was all of the people that disappeared during that moment. Sam, all of them. Scarlet Witch. And so right now, we're in that pattern where everybody that is still alive, and there's not a whole lot of them, are trying to get this job done without all of these other folks so that they can then bring him back. And if you listen to the post game of the Warriors after taking out the Rockets, they all were talking about how they miss Kevin Durant and how they just, they're not even sure how they're going to get through this, but they're going to get through this. They are basically openly recruiting Kevin Durant to stay. Without doing so, they're saying, hey, KD, man, don't go to New York. Don't go to L.A. Don't go anywhere. Don't, don't even think about Washington. Don't go to the Nets. Don't go to Brooklyn. Don't go to Chicago. Don't go to any of these places. Stay here and let's win another one. And right now, we're going to prove our worth by trying to do the exact same thing. And they're pretty close to doing it. Because when you really look at it and you get down to brass tacks, who do you trust more than Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green right now? With two series left. I'm really looking forward to this Portland series. It's going to be the second best backcourt against the backcourt, the best backcourt with the Warriors and the Blazers. Lillard and McCollum against Steph and Clay. It's going to be fascinating. Portland's got a deeper bench. The absence of Durant might come more into play now. But who do you trust in that series? And then if you look at the other side, who do you trust to beat the Warriors then? I'm still kind of placing my money on the Avengers. I don't know about you. And you can still talk about, look, Hawkeye's still alive too. Iggy's there. And you can continue down the list. You can have a lot of fun just looking at their entire roster and saying, well, who is this guy and who is this guy and who is this guy? I'm not sure where exactly Thor fits into this yet. I'm still working on that part of this. I'm still sort of workshopping this take, but I went ahead and brought it to you anyway. And so that brings us to where I want to go next. Yes, this is a heavy NBA show. We're getting to the conference finals. It's kind of important. It's doing big-time ratings. And there was an incredible pair of Game 7s that we were blessed with yesterday on Mother's Day. Just as we were blessed with our mothers and whatever we were able to do for them, and hopefully you were able to spend a lot of time with yours. We also had two fantastic basketball games that came down to the final minute. And ultimately, it came down to, to people you trust and people that have been there before. And that's the way that I want to continue to look at the playoffs. Just the way I thought the Warriors would beat the Rockets because they've been there and done that before. And the Rockets have been there and failed to do that before. What we saw yesterday was a microcosm of what the NBA has always been. And that is you don't take a bunch of steps. You take one and then you take another one the following year. And then you finally can maybe reach the promised land if you don't have a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan or a Warriors in front of you perennially. Is just going to be too much for you. We'll discuss that next. Stick around. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Big Six here at 104.5 The Zone, rolling right along here on a Monday evening in the Music City. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. So we, there's a really cool event coming up next month, and you're going to hear more and more about it as we approach it. Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. First off, that's cool on its own. And the past folks that have been inducted, it's always a great list. But this year, this list is just, it's awesome. 
first off, Peyton Manning. And I could just stop right there. But then you've got David Cutcliffe and Kara Lawson and Patrick Willis and Charles Davis, our good friend here on the station, Kippy Brown. Tennessee end of the year is Amy Adams Strunk. David Williams, who, of course, passed away, unfortunately, is going to go in posthumously. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And the ceremony is going to be at the Omni Hotel in downtown Nashville. You can get individual tickets or you can get tables of 10. And the only way to do it is to call 615-418-9595. That's a way to secure your spot. And there are limited spots available. 615-418-9595. Featured winner, Peyton Manning. I don't know what else you need to say in the state of Tennessee. You can also go to our website at 1045thezone.com and you can get updates there. We're all going to be a part of it. Looking very, very forward to that. Coming up Saturday, June the 15th. The ceremony will be at 6 p.m., so go ahead and put that one on your radar. It is certainly already on mine. Okay, so who do you trust and who do you not trust? That's what it comes down to a lot in sports. Now, my predictions are not always going to be right. As a matter of fact, during the postseason in the NFL, I was pretty bad because sports can be unpredictable. Yesterday, I went 1-1. One and one. I ended up taking the two home teams before tip yesterday. And look, those games were so close. Predicting winners and losers and saying, ha-ha, you got that one wrong. It's kind of tough. Like, however you predicted those games, you were kind of right because it was pretty daggone close. I picked, I thought that Jokic was going to be kind of the thing that couldn't be stopped in the end, and I thought the altitude might tire out Portland. And Damian Lillard was tired, but C.J. McCollum just played the kind of game that you just, I don't even know what to say. I mean, he was sensational. And he honestly was sensational in both the last two games where he had 30 and 37 points respectively. Damian Lillard does get a lot more of the attention, but C.J. McCollum is an incredible basketball player, and Damian Lillard just gave him all of the props after the game. I love Damian Lillard. If you listen to him talk and um, just just pay attention to how he goes about his business, I continue to say he's kind of the Luke Skywalker to Russell Westbrook's Darth Vader. It's kind of like Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban. Like, Damian Lillard makes you better if you're around him as a basketball player, and I think his attitude is infectious in the right way. And he's a great ball player on top of it. But McCollum was tremendous. And he was just a little bit too much yesterday in the clutch moments. But that was a great series. And those two teams are going to be good for a while. Mike Malone's a hell of a coach. Terry Stotts is a very good coach. This is the first time Portland has been to the Western Conference Finals since the year 2000. So congratulations to them. And then the late game, the late game was a bit of a conundrum because I picked Toronto. And I said this, if you happen to be up to hear me on Sunday morning, on Fox Sports Radio, here on The Zone. I said, in the last couple of minutes of this game, and most of this game, pay attention to two guys. The ones I'll be watching are Jimmy Butler at Philadelphia and Kawhi Leonard for Toronto because those are the two guys I trust right now. I don't trust anybody else because nobody else has really been there before except Kyle Lowry who has, and he's got James Hardenitis, except to a worse degree. And he actually played pretty well. He didn't shoot well. But there was a stretch there where he got three offensive rebounds in about a minute. And those were key to Toronto when they were falling a little bit behind Philadelphia in the third quarter of that game. And Kawhi Leonard tried to do a little bit too much early. But I picked Toronto because I said Kawhi Leonard has done this before. Not just been there before, he's done this before. He's been an NBA Finals MVP. He's one of the three best players in the world. He has no flaws in his game. He came out of San Diego State, and he could not shoot at all. He basically was a rebounder and a defender. And he 
worked on his shot, developed it. He's a good free throw shooter. He can make threes. He can make fallaways. He's got a great mid-range game. He can get to the rack. He does it all. He's the best two-way player in basketball probably at this point. And he showed it. And then he had that Tiger Woods with the Nike ball at Augusta moment where it rolled into the cup. I don't know that I've ever seen a bounce more fortuitous and fortunate than what I saw Kawhi Leonard get at the end of that game. The first, And this is amazing. 135, I think, game sevens in NBA history. No buzzer beaters in, the, in any of those games until last night. That's the first game seven walk-off buzzer beater in the history of the NBA playoffs. And Kawhi Leonard does it. And he emotes, folks. There were people that were sending me jokes about how his response before he hit it and after he hit it, and it was the same picture. Not really. He went nuts. He was super excited. He was engaged. He talked to the media afterwards. He talked to Roz Gold on Wooday on TNT. I mean, he wasn't saying a ton, but what do you expect? A lot of guys don't say a lot. He sounded like an athlete who just won a game that's kind of quiet about how he goes about his business. So now I look at this next series and I say, okay, Bucks Raptors, how am I going to pick this? Well, the Bucks haven't been there before, right? Never. And it is very, very rare that a team that has virtually no experience on that level actually makes it to and wins an NBA Finals before they go through a couple of lumps. They went through a lump last year. Budenholzer's done a fine job coaching them. Giannis is one of the two MVP candidates this year, and he is just scintillating to watch. Chris Middleton's a great shooter. They've got some depth, but they don't have maybe as much. Well, no. And them in Portland probably have the most depth of the teams left. I'll, I'll call that back. And I'm torn here because I don't want to pick against Kawhi Leonard because the two things that I do know have proven themselves in the past that remain in the NBA postseason are the Golden State Warriors, even without Kevin Durant, because, what, four of their starting five have been part of this entire run. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala. Their bench is performing, and they're kind of being picked up by the starters, but the bench are, are contributing as well. And then I trust Kawhi Leonard because I've seen him win an NBA championship and be named finals MVP. And I've seen him in clutch moments. And then I look at the rest of the Raptors, and I've also seen the rest of the Raptors never do this. As a matter of fact, I've seen them fail over and over again. This year, they don't have LeBron James in front of them, so it looks like it's a good look, but this Bucks team is the best team in the league if you look at them analytically on both sides of the ball. They're the best defensive team, I think, and they're one of the top five offensive teams. They're both they're top five in both categories. So I'm, to- I'm going to watch that series with great interest and see what Kawhi and Giannis are able to do when, they're, when and if they're ever matched up on each other and what the rest of the Raptors are going to do. Because we saw a lot of gun-shy people in Toronto jerseys last night that didn't want to take the shot, which led to Kawhi taking, what, 40 shots to get 39 points? That's too many shots for Kawhi, and a lot of them weren't great looks. And that was because he was, he was super aggressive because he didn't trust that anybody else was going to put up a shot that kept passing it off. I've made this comment before that I used to call Allen Iverson, this giant ball hog. And then I heard Allen Iverson describe why he took so many shots. And it finally started to make sense to me what his game was about. There's a 24-second shot clock. He comes down the floor. He passes it to Eric Snow. Eric Snow ain't going to take the shot, so he passes it down low to McKee. Then he goes to Theo Ratliff. Then he goes to another sixer whose name escapes me right now. And then there's about eight seconds left. And then that guy doesn't want it either. And he passes it back to Allen Iverson. And AI's got it with about five seconds left on the shot clock. 
So what exactly do you expect him to do at that point? Nobody else on that team wanted to take the shots. He wasn't being selfish. He was doing what he knew had to be done because nobody else was willing to do it. And that's exactly what I saw from Kawhi Leonard last night. Nobody else wearing a Raptors jersey wanted any part of those shots. Siakam, I don't know what that was, but it was a total no-show. I don't know if it was because a couple of shots didn't fall early, but he was disengaged from an offensive perspective. And he's been good throughout this series. And then last night, just was not there for them. Lowry was fairly aggressive, and I think he did a lot of the dirty work, and he played well. He took a couple of key charges in addition to some big offensive rebounds that we already discussed here. But I still need more from him, too. But if Kawhi has to go, if somebody in this playoffs has to go give you 40, who is the first guy out of these four teams that you trust to do that? I'm saying it's Kawhi Leonard. And so I'm really still believing that the Raptors are going to win simply because they have the best player. They have the most proven player, rather, because I'm not going to slight Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's every bit as good as everybody thinks he is. He's been magnificent. I just I want to see what Kawhi has in Game 1. If Kawhi is still just as tenacious as he was throughout this last series and throughout this postseason, I'm going to feel real good about the Raptors pick. I already think the Warriors are going to beat Portland. I would love to see Portland win the whole daggone thing this year because I love their attitude and I love their bench and I love their coaching and I love their two most recognizable stars. I even love the Ennis Cantor story about being on Ramadan, not being able to eat after 4 a.m. and having to play basketball games in the afternoons and evenings. So he sets a clock in his hotel to wake up at 345, gets up and pounds like two protein bars, eats basically a day's worth of food before 4 a.m. hits, where his religious sensibilities won't allow him to eat, and then he still tries to have as much energy as he can on the floor. That's an incredible story. Reaching out to Hakeem Olajuwon for advice on how to handle that, that's amazing. So these are going to be two really good series, I hope. I do think that this backcourt of Portland, who has not gotten this far before, they have taken the steps. They've gotten knocked out earlier, and there have been no-shows at times. I think that they are ready for this moment. I think they got a shot to beat Golden State, but I can't pick anybody to beat Golden State because I can't go against my own philosophy. There's too much evidence to the contrary. We'll be right back to finish it up. I've got a really cool C.J. McCollum story for you next. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment tonight, a little abbreviated here on The Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. Follow me on Twitter, of course, at jmartzone. Really appreciate those of you who just throw comments my way. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Pro and con, folks. C.J. McCollum was quite a pro yesterday. 37 points in the victory, and they needed every one of them to beat Denver, who had the best home record in the NBA, 34-7 and going into that game. It was, a, it was a game seven. It was a winner-take-all. And Damian Lillard just didn't have it from an offensive perspective. And so he elected not to take too many shots. He did make two big threes late. But every time they needed a shot, C.J. McCollum was right there with an answer. But rather than talk about his performance, I want to talk about what I thought was just a tremendous post-game interview that makes it impossible for you not to be able to root for this guy on a myriad of different levels. So I'm going to let you listen to this was 
C.J. McCollum right after the victory on the floor with Doris Burke. It's a couple of different questions, but I want you to hear it all, and then I'll explain why I let you hear it. Check this out. This is just fantastic. CJ, it always feels a little bit like when your team is questioned about the viability of the backcourt after the failures of last year's playoff, it's your name that comes up. How much fuel do you get from those kinds of questions? Uh, honestly, I got enough motivation. I got it out the mud. I went to Lehigh University. You know what I'm saying? No one's ever been drafted from there before. So for me, it's just about showing what I can do every night and keeping the door open for the next mid-major. This is a night where this is a night, CJ, where Dame didn't seem like himself. He hit a couple of late threes, but our guys were talking about how he empowers your entire group. Can you describe his effect on this team? He's the heart and soul of our team, and he's he's done a great job of empowering us and, and leading us. And obviously, a night like tonight, you know, we all struggled from the three-point line, but I just kept telling him to be aggressive, and you know, he's seen I had it going, so he kept making sure I was staying involved in the offense and and getting shots. And then down the stretch, I just told Coach flatten it out, I man. He can't check me, and I'll get us a bucket. I'll, at least get us a good shot, and that's what happened. The adversity has been throughout the course of the season. Nurkic, tonight, Hood, your bench had to come in and do some things for you. Describe the effort you got from various guys. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to see, you know, how hard everybody worked. Nurk went down, Rodney Hood goes down tonight. Uh, our organization does a good job of picking up key acquisitions. We get Rodney Hood, we get Ennis, Meyer steps up big for us. Zach Collins, who a lot of people said, uh, you know, why are we drafting Zach Collins? You know, that's why we drafted him. The defensive uh, intensity, his offensive versatility. Uh, Mo was great. You know, Mo achieved in starting the second half, but Mo came in ready to play, and that's just a credit to our staff and, and our charisma. It's just tremendous. It's my favorite post-game interview I've heard all year, easily, because it was so, it was varied. It wasn't all about C.J. McCollum. From the very beginning, I'm the first guy to ever get drafted out of Lehigh. I came out the mud, basically what he's saying about mid-majors, but he wasn't saying it negatively. And then he said, and, he, and he, he seemed to understand that there's a responsibility. It's just like, if he's good, then that can open up the door for the next mid-major, which was exactly what he said to answer that question. Then he didn't say anything negative about Damian Lillard. And then when it came to talk about the bench, he started talking about the staff and the acquisitions and the front office. He clearly knows what's happening on this basketball team. He defended Zach Collins, who was maligned when he was drafted, the 21-year-old who played some big minutes for them yesterday. And in this series, he talked about Myers Leonard. He talked about Ennis. He went through the he went through the myriad. This was not the C.J. McCollum interview about how great I am. This was, and he did answer that question. He said, "Look, I told him, look, he can't check me. I will get a good shot. I'll put us in position here." He realized it was his day. He realized this was his day. He also knows that he's the one that does generally take a lot of the responsibility because when you talk about that backcourt, it's Dame and it's C.J. McCollum. McCollum's the one that has no-showed a little bit in the past, not this year. He has taken steps. But just listening to him, he sounds like a mature guy. He sounds like a really intelligent guy. He sounds like he's a basketball smart guy. And he sounds like yet another reason why I'm pulling for Portland to win the NBA championship. I really like Damian Lillard. I like how he comes across. But I really like C.J. McCollum. And his game is, I don't know that anybody has paid enough attention to how good C.J. McCollum happens to be at basketball. But you got a good glimpse of it in the two games that Portland had to win. In two must-win situations for them down 3-2, what did they do? C.J. McCollum scored 30, and he scored 37. And in the fourth quarter, you could not stop him. In the third quarter, you really couldn't stop him. He was incredible. 
And I can't wait to see C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard versus Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson in the Western Conference Finals. That is going to be a fascinating thing to just sit back and enjoy as a basketball fan. I know we talked a lot of basketball. We will talk about plenty of other sports for the remainder of the week, but this was the storylines this weekend. We got some beautiful basketball yesterday, and we got some weird basketball as well in that second game, even though the drama was off the charts. We'll continue to preview these games. We'll have a lot of fun doing it. I'll talk some Game of Thrones with you a little bit later on this week. I'm going to let it breathe for a little while. But we'll see. By the way, going to a John Wick 3 screening tonight. So I'll be writing about that, uh, among other things, this week at the Big Six blog. So go ahead and check me out at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Very, fairly lengthy take on the end of the Rocket season is awaiting there. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. We'll see you tomorrow.